podcast where we discuss the movie titanic minute by minute i'm your co-host rob and joined as always by my good friends joe and duff good day ahoy ahoy minute 190 guys it's a happy hour episode and it's credits we continue it we have a brand new a brand new heart of the ocean our good friend rob rob welcome thank you thank you a long time listener first time caller (laughs) Now, just so our you know, listeners this are... this podcast really uh, mops up the floor on white guys with monosyllabic names. <laughs> <laughs> I think we need to be clear on this that this is not this is not me, Rob. This is not Rob, our uh, butterfly clip Rob, who we've had on twice. This is Rob, who we've told stories about. You are had enough, Rob, uh, famously for thinking that the song Panama was had enough. <laughs> Only I mean, the second funniest story about screwing up song lyrics uh, said on this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> so, well, we're, we brought you on because credits are going. Celine Dion is singing her head off. It is, my heart will go on. We wanted to bring in a, I don't want to call you a Celine Dion expert, but someone <laughs> who has opinions on Celine Dion. Would that be fair, Rob? That is uh, more than fair, yes. That's why the name of this episode is Celine I'm dying here. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I I have, guys, I did a little research. <sighs> no? I did too. <laughs> okay. I didn't have fun doing it. So is it all right before we jump into our opinions on this? Uh, do, are you guys, is it all right if I kind of talk about how the song was made? Is that all right with you? Please. History? Go ahead. Okay. So, I'm okay with it too. <laughs> <laughs> So James Horner uh, did the score. We've talked about that a lot, and and Horner. the main the main theme in Titanic uh, that is carried on by this song. I found out here's a fun fact, guys. Was inspired by a Jethro Tull song. <laughs> I approve of that. Um, Go on. The song was Flying Dutchman. Now we've talked about had enough and built the city. I'm going to tell you something else. For a while, I thought it was Jeff Rotall. Not <laughs> wait, 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 like the name Jeff. What? Yeah, like it was like, oh, this is Jeff Rotal. <laughs> like, like, how did you imagine it was like three words? No, like two words. His name was his first name was oh, Jeff. Jeffro, Jeffro. Okay. And it, no, his first name was Jeff, and his last name was Rotal. <laughs> Common name. Yeah, he old Rotals. I go way back. Uh, you should have had your ears checked 30 years ago. Ian, Ian Anderson uh, named the band after the gas station attendant that filled up his car. <laughs> Jeff Rotel. Hey, it's Jeff Rotel. <laughs> so uh, famously, famously, James Cameron did not want a song in the movie. Duff, do you remember what he famously said about it? Uh, something about you wouldn't put a pop song in Schindler's List or something right. like that. Yep. <sighs> God, so, I hate him so much sometimes. Um, would you put a song at the end of Schindler's List? That's what he said. He, he said you would not. He said, you know, it was his question. Like, would you put a song at the end of Schindler's List? So, like, that's why he was against Titanic having one. Would you put a, a fat man filled with Mountain Dew with a, <laughs> a smiley face with a bullet hole in it in Schindler's List? 
Should do that. <laughs> I mean, it would be interesting. Um, <laughs> George Lucas, like, uh, get on that. <laughs> instead of just the girl in the red dress in, in color, like the only thing in color is Schindler's List is the yellow smiley face on his T-shirt. Little known fact, Steven Spielberg almost chose the Warren song Cherry Pie for the end of the year. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> but ultimately decided against it. Um, so I'm not, I'm not making any jokes about that movie. Another fun fact, uh, James Cameron, uh, do you want to know what his two favorite bands are? I know the answer to this. Oh, let's hear it. Ministry and Metallica. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh. <laughs> So, so that adds more evidence that he's perpetually 13 years old. Yes, that absolutely James does. Cameron shops at Hot Topic. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I like Metallica, all right. And I mean, most of Metallica. So uh, James Horner uh, didn't care. He went ahead and hired Will Jennings to write lyrics uh, for yeah. this final theme. Okay, I, G- I got a lot to say about Will Jennings. So I, all right, if we if you were going to talk about him, I'd appreciate it if I, I could take over whenever you're ready. Uh, I'm not. Jennings if you talk. have more Will, if you have so, some more uh, Will Jennings all, facts. First of all, let's just reflect that it was feasible that a Metallica song could have played over the credits of this movie. <laughs> oh, uh, they yeah. were like at the peak of their fame, probably at this time. No, not quite. Right. Just this was post. This was post load. So. The backlash had begun. Sanitarium that, played at the end. No, but the backlash no, had a, begun. But they were still a huge, like hero they, of the day. Had yeah, that come out by now. They I don't were. Think so, I mean, they were kind of backlash, but they hadn't yet yelled at their own fans for using Napsters. So. <laughs> yeah, true. Well, we're stuck with Celine Dion, and that's sad but true. <laughs> <laughs> Joe, what do you have on Will Jennings? This man has committed so many crimes against music. <laughs> Uh, that and the fact that I had to listen to some songs that I had promised myself I would never willingly listen to again, but I did it for the listeners so I could just soak it in and feel it and be ready to talk about it. Here's two very specific ways he's made my life worse. He he wrote two songs that I. I really hate one of which I just genuinely hate and I don't find it funny. The other one I hate it, but there's ways to, to make the song funny. Uh, it's a fun song to make fun of. I'll start with, um, let's go chronological. Uh, he, he worked with Steve Winwood quite a bit and him, uh, Steve Winwood and Eric Clapton combined to come put up together a song. I loathe called higher love. Uh, it's one of my least favorite songs of all time. For some reason, I time. thought Rob was a fan of that song. I I'm not think. a fan of Higher Love. It is an abomination of, of music, and uh, and Will it, Jennings not uh, was helped write it. Um, he also uh, collaborated, uh, co-wrote an entire album with Jimmy Buffett, or almost the entire album with Jimmy Buffett. Two albums, actually. The first one he had seemed to have co-written more was Riddles in the Sand, where Jimmy Buffett started to go in sort of a country direction. And I know very little about Jimmy Buffett, but I know enough to know I hate him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and th- then the follow-up album to that, which is, I would say, one of the worst album titles of all all time. In fact, I think it is. I, I can't think of a worse one. He wrote a bunch of songs for 1985's Last Mango in Paris. <laughs> what? 
I just. I, I actually, I actually love that. I'm, that's, <laughs> too. That that's so far down that road that it becomes good. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Is, have, a, is there a song on there called "Butter in Your Glass"? Oh, <laughs> there should be. I would like it if it did. <laughs> Come on, Tom. okay. And uh, you know what? I, maybe I just maybe I was so upset because of all the bad songs. I'll listen to more, more. <laughs> but I. I I'm really, really a fan of like, sort of like song, like love songs that are really mean. Like two out of three ain't bad. Yeah, yeah. And I'm looking at the title or, of this uh, one, and now I'm starting to rethink everything I know about Jimmy Buffett. I, this is one of the funniest song titles, and I'm just now noticing this. If the phone doesn't ring, it's me. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, that sounds like a John Prine song. <laughs> Man, that is dang it now i'm rethinking my whole opinion on this man because if he came up with that title that's that's absolutely great you know jimmy buffett's music is pretty terrible but he's grifted so hard that i respect the craft (laughs) he's turned just being a lazy white guy into a billion dollar industry he has restaurants he has well he's not the first to do that well (laughs) it's just he he gave minimal effort yeah (laughs) Guess who also helped Jimmy Buffett and Will Jennings uh, co-write a song on the last Mango in Paris from another <laughs> hated band, the know. Eagles. Oh. Mr. Glenn Frey uh, helped oh. them write Gypsies in the Palace. So can you imagine that not. room? Jimmy Buffett, Glenn Frey, and Will Jennings getting together to write a song. Mm-mm. Glenn Frey is not – there are worse Eagles than him, I suppose. Uh, here we go. Here's a song that he co-wrote that I I could not believe it when I found this out. Tears in Heaven by Eric Clapton. That's what I was referring to. Mm-hmm. Much Madness, man. Yep. Uh, I did. I had no idea that Eric Clapton only wrote the first verse of that song. I guess it I didn't weird. either. It is weird to write a song about your kid tumbling out a window and have other people <laughs> write it for you. <laughs> Right, like to be like, man, I have a lot of grief. I wrote a couple sentences, but if you could finish it off, that'd that's be great. exactly what happened. <laughs> that's exactly what happened. Eric Clapton wrote the first verse of that song, and then he went to Will Jennings. He's like, hey, I really love the stuff you did with Steve Winwood. Can you finish the lyrics to this song? And Will Jennings, I guess, was like, um, I don't know, man. This song seems pretty personal. It's, I feel kind of weird doing that. And Eric Clapton's like, nah, do it, man. It, it'll be great. I just really love your work. And Will Jennings is basically like, all right, I guess. So everything after the first verse is uh, is written by somebody else. I could not believe that. That's crazy. That I guess I didn't know that. That's amazing. That is. That's that's the funnest fact I've heard so far in this run of Titanic Minute episodes. <laughs> so Will Jennings, um, like, you suck for sure. But, um, you de- I mean, you can't deny... He's been involved with some absolutely massive hits. Like yeah. it's pretty impressive. Like, so, he had a lot, a lot of Steve Winwood hits. He he did. I I only mentioned Higher Love because it's. Uh, I believe though Steve Winwood's only number one. It was his first number one hit. I know you for know sure. a lot more about Steve Winwood than I. He <laughs> plays Summerfest all the time, and it just for some he's just just like one of those things where I just always find myself in positions where I'm hearing Steve Winwood songs, and I I don't know why. <laughs> Like every time I'm in the grocery store, I'm hearing some like like grocery store version of a Steve Winwood song. I'm like, what is 
going on? Like, you know, when you like bring up like buying a boat and then three days later <laughs> online, there's an ad for it. As one does. You know, no, I'm just, you know, you know what I'm saying. You know, yes. you, me- you mentioned something out loud and for some reason online there's ads for it. Like I, someone knows I don't like Steve Woodwood and they're, they're pranking me. Do, do you mean uh, buying a ship? Yes. Thank you. <laughs> I can't afford to buy a ship. Uh, so continuing on the production of this, sh- of, of this song, uh, Horner brings in Will Jennings. He showed the music to Simon Franklin, who is another composer who had worked with Celine and Simon arranged an extensive demo take with Celine. Celine didn't want to do it since she had just done beauty and the beast. She's sort of like, oh, I've done enough of these soundtracks. Fun fact again, guys, Horner had worked with Celine on somewhere out there from an american tale they had recorded sings her. that song no they had recorded oh, linda ronstadt yes they had recorded her but ultimately went with linda ronstadt but horner loved celine's vocals but celine wasn't that famous at that time so they didn't go did, with her did that start a feud between celine dion and linda ronstadt because that's a know. cool feud that would be a that cool would be feud. an awesome feud we're um, starting that rumor right now yeah <laughs> So it was recorded, and legend has that it was only in one take. No one really confirms or denies that. So then this is my favorite point of all this. Horner, James Horner, he had – this is like everything I read about the song says this. He had to wait until good old James Cameron was in a good mood until he presented him with the song. Like I just imagine him every day like, what's up? Uh, No, nothing, nothing. I'll (laughs) talk to you later. Uh, Eventually finds him in a good mood, uh, plays it. James Cameron approved it. But part of it, people think, might have been because he wanted to appease anxious uh, studio execs because, you know, this movie had gone over budget. There was a lot of issues. I think his thought was, well, at worst, we'll have a big hit. <laughs> like, we we got the music part that can at least get some people. He, he probably had a financial stake in the soundtrack. He's like, oh, let's at least get some money from this. Yeah. <laughs> so that's how we come up with this with this you know uh, incredibly famous song at the end of Titanic. so i remember i think when i was researching sissel that i saw that sissel actually recorded a version of this as well oh. and that and that horner uh ultimately went with celine but he had sissel do it since sissel was already doing all the other music interesting and so i think supposedly there's a demo basically it's the exact same background they just switch the vocals later for celine okay but yeah so, he, he knew celine and he liked her better and so like you said he waited till james cameron was in a good mood so here we are this music plays most people they hear the song at the end of the movie they get emotional rob tell us your celine dion my heart will go on. What's going on? Well, what's your, what's your feelings on this? That's I, Marvin Gaye. I would say that I feel yeah. uh, <laughs> very similar to the way that Kate Winslet has said she feels when she hears it. Yeah. Uh, and she was quoted in an interview saying, when she hears it, she feels like throwing up. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. Um, so I, I didn't hate the song at first. It took sort of a traumatic experience for me to really develop a strong dislike, not just for this song, but for the sound of Celine's voice. Okay. So I once shared an office uh, with a young woman. Uh, Her name was Cassie. Um, She brought two CDs to work to listen to, (laughs) and those were... (laughs) 
just played on repeat at all times. <laughs> One was Celine's greatest hits. Okay. So mm-hmm. any anything I hear of Celine makes me want to like kill myself. Yeah. That's um, just the way it is. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. You know now. now <laughs> that was. We're talking flop. about this, and it's all coming back to me now. Yeah, I know, I know. Um, I know. <laughs> the other CD, uh, which you'll probably be surprised to hear, was Jock Jams. <laughs> <laughs> like the first one. The very first one. <laughs> so like with Whoop, there it is. Yep. Y'all ready for this? <laughs> It's amazing. I don't. I don't hate any of those songs, even though that was played on repeat. It's just okay. Y- you so, can o- you can only hear Celine Dion so many times before it's like nails on a chalkboard. <laughs> yeah. So when she turned off uh, uh, Celine Dion and switched to Jock Jams, you're just thinking in your mind like, everybody dance now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it made me wish that I was all by myself. <laughs> <laughs> so would you get really? jammed up to work like would you do cartwheels and such uh basically yeah i would i would get a pail of gatorade and dump it on her (laughs) this story is just unbelievable oh man come on that's a good one (laughs) so 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 when was this how long was this how long after titanic's release was this oh man this would have been like 2007 or 2008 so right right in the thick of it yeah um so much much later than titanic itself but um it's really scarred me for life so um i have a couple other fun facts here about the song um you're not the only person to think this rob uh there are plenty of detractors to this it's been on a few worst song ever lists uh aol (laughs) <laughs> the tastemaker <laughs> the tastemaker it is had it as the 11th worst song of all time which is insane to me quite honestly and then rolling stone had a list of the worst songs in the 90s and it placed number seven on there i've, I've got a source that's even more reputable than either of those oh okay. um, especially in today's fake news someone we can really <laughs> trust is yeah maxim okay mm. Uh, they wrote that it is the second most tragic event ever to result from that fabled ocean liner that continues to torment humanity years <laughs> later. <laughs> oh, my God. Thanks, Maxim. Yes. Um, but outside of that, I want you guys to know uh, this was obviously a big hit. Uh, it sold. You ready for this? The single. Y'all ready, ready for, for this? this. Yeah. <laughs> It sold 18 million copies in the U.S. The single. Why? In February of 1998, it had, at the time, the largest radio audience ever at 117 million listeners. What does that mean? I guess just the number of people who tuned in to, like, radio stations. I don't know. Like all, I, I wonder, like, if, like, Clear Channel. That doesn't seem like. <laughs> I, don't, I don't get that. I mean, I mean I'm sure. I'm sure. No, your your explanation doesn't make sense. It's not like they were like, we're gonna play on this international well, radio clear channel, right? Might have just been like, we're playing this on, you know, uh, tons of stations, and radio was still listened to a lot. So that would have been at the time the largest amount of people that listened to one yeah. song. Maybe I don't know. I'm sure. Yeah, I, I don't have a comparison. Yell, I'm sure someone but... will yell at us online and tell us. What um, but here's my last my last fun fact. Uh, it was number one 
Number one single in the following countries. Are you ready for this? Uh. <laughs> uh, U.S., Switzerland, France, Germany, Netherlands, Sweden, Belgium, Denmark, Italy, Norway, Ireland, Australia, Austria, White. Spain, White. UK, <laughs> Finland. The whitest countries. All, it, white. it, all the whitest countries. Canada, oddly enough, isn't on that list. How's that? That Cause... can't be right. Were they just tired of her by that point? I might have just miswrote it or not wrote it down. Uh, <laughs> I had, had Canada has to be on that list. Yeah. That's, maybe maybe that's they never the... approved of their marriage. Mm, maybe. Maybe Rush had a single that came out at the same time. <laughs> yeah, so it was, can, it can I just that that reminds me of something. It's very weird that Celine Dion's marriage it was spun as this like heartwarming tale. <laughs> yes, when he's like, wasn't he like forty years he, older than her? He met her when she was like twelve. Yep. he was <laughs> a good deal older than her, and he was mm-hmm. her manager. Do you guys have anything else on this song? Uh, what is with like? I never. I I've heard. I probably literally heard the song seventy five times in my life, if not more. And I never really put on headphones and listened to it really carefully because I, I don't like it. But I was like, well, maybe I'm just being a jerk. Like, um, so I'm like, oh, let's listen to it really closely. And and I really don't like most of it. But I think okay. when it gets kind of like loud at the end, like the last like 40 seconds of it or so, when she really starts like really starts so, ripping Selene. it, you know. Yeah, it's leaning mm-hmm. it. It's like, oh, it's, it's, it's moving. Like I get it. But I just hate the production of it. And like, there's so many the little things. The production of it is so weird. It, lit- I mean, it is a demo, and it sounds like it. It's so weird. Well, yeah. there's just it's so there's so much no like it's a mess. Like there's so much going on, yeah. and it's it it should just be way more stripped down. Like, did you guys notice like the like the electric guitar solo that like starts to fade in, like about two thirds of the way through? Ah, it's like, so this actually brings up a good point in that you're referencing the the single version from Celine's album, which was the, okay. the radio version, which was like something like 30 seconds shorter. Mm-hmm. And they added in more core. They added in guitar and chorus and strings. Yeah. Why? To make it poppier, I guess. But it's, it's bad. It's, it's like a Michael Bay movie. Like when there's a plane flying over and all of a sudden you hear the music. Cause oh, that explains a lot. Cause I, you know, we've like watched the movie and stuff and I, 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 I must've listened to it all the times while we made this in the context of like the soundtrack recording of it. Cause I was like, I don't think I ever noticed these guitars. Cause most of the time I would have turned the song off by then. Yeah, <laughs> in the singles version. All the, right, that makes the sense. single the single version is uh, too much, and this is coming from someone who too much is their jam. Like, <laughs> yeah, me too. Usually, uh, like one thing, uh, I I think I inherited this from my mom is that I my mom really loved like musicals and. Her, her, she had the most mom taste in music. So we had like Barbara Streisand and Neil Diamond tapes and things like that. I'm pretty sure there was a Barry Manilow cassette tape. And somewhere along the way, I developed, like, I have an appreciation for, I guess, call it camp or over the topness. Mm-hmm. And Celine hits that for me. Uh, it, obvious a lot of times it depends on the writer but i i think this is right in that wheelhouse and it's 
yeah it it's like a meatloaf song to me and and that's good by the way that's what i meant yeah 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 you know, I, uh, as, as much as I dislike the song and Celine, I think there are a couple of ways that uh, it's a really perfect choice for the movie and for James Cameron. I'd say okay. the, the first thing is uh, you guys have talked a lot about how many marriages James Cameron has had. Yeah. Uh, this was Renee's third marriage. Uh, really? So they're, they're kindred spirits. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was 49 when they were married. She was 23. Um, but they met when she was how old? She was 12. Oh, uh, they started dating when she was 19, and they kept it a secret, like their whole relationship a secret for five years because they were afraid of backlash. But yeah, um, Rightfully so. <laughs> then um, an- another way, s- separate from uh, the Cameron connection, is uh, that her mother was initially very opposed to her, her relationship with Renee. And so there's a little bit of Rose oh. versus Ruth there. There we go. Yeah. Um, uh, so her mom said, uh, well, she tried to make me understand that this man tried marriage twice before. He has three children. He's not responsible. I want the perfect Prince Charming for you. And that, that is Cal. You know, we all know how great sure. Cal is. Yeah. <laughs> especially Rob. Yeah. Um, and then uh, I guess th- that's it for my comparisons. But I, I would say the final thing I have to say about it is the movie was huge, right? The song was also huge, a big part of its its success. Um, as we, as you said, Duff, uh, James Horner kept it from uh, James Cameron for a long time. Um, and is it a coincidence that James Horner died in a plane crash in 2015? <laughs> <laughs> he played Wait the long minute. game. <laughs> yeah. Wait ja- a minute here. <laughs> James Cameron finally got him. <laughs> wrong uh rob can you can you tell us your titanic story yeah you know i i uh thought a great deal about this knowing that i was going to be on and uh realized that i was like misremembering things because of when it came out i was so i graduated high school in 1997 so this came out december of 97 right yep yes um so i was already in college so i i was envisioning myself going to see this with my high school girlfriend because that's what I did in high school. I went to movies. Um, mm-hmm. So I thought that I... St- I my, my recollection is that I saw but with this... with your girlfriend, though, so don't brag to us. <laughs> 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 yep, sorry. Humble brag there. Um, he came to dunk on us. <laughs> only if it's a seven-foot rim. Um, <laughs> so my, my memory is that I saw this numerous times in the theater, and I think I did... But I don't believe that I was still with my high school girlfriend by the end of first semester uh, of my freshman year. So it's a little bit hazy. Um, so I don't, I, don't, I don't have a good story. I can tell you that I saw 12 monkeys eight times in the theater, just, just as a window <laughs> into like wow, how I, I went, went to the movies all the time and would see the same movies even just because that's what I did. You saw 12 monkeys eight times in the theater. In the theater, yeah. How dumb is that? <laughs> <laughs> that if you, were, if you were to have us guess, like, what movie you saw 12 times, I don't think I would have gotten there. I think I would have – I don't think I would have gotten to um, 12, 12 monkeys. monkeys. <laughs> I would, oh, man. The thing I was is, like, 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 Men I, in Black or something. I don't know. 
I couldn't even tell you what Twelve Monkeys is about anymore. <laughs> <laughs> like I haven't seen it since I saw it for the eighth time in the theater. So wow. that's amazing. Uh, do you guys have anything else on uh, on Celine Dion? Uh, I have a little bit of Jock Jams follow up. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Uh, okay, hold on just one second. I'm so this. I'm definitely ready for this. <laughs> bam, bam. <laughs> uh, so for Jock Jams Volume One through Four, how many mm, how many copies how many albums do you think those sold altogether? So four separate CDs. Millions. Uh, I'm gonna guess seven million copies. I'm gonna guess twelve. I'm going to go with nine. Rob was closest. Six million copies. Wow. I just and assumed it was some crazy number. If I'm re- six million is crazy. Yeah, I know uh, it is. That's, uh, if I'm reading this correctly, this is from RIAA. Uh, Jack Jams 1 went double platinum, 2 went double platinum, and then 3 and 4 each went platinum. You know, I did not own Jock Jams, but I did own WWF, the theme music, volume one (laughs) (laughs) that's way lamer i guess i agree uh rob do you have anything else on titanic that you want to share with our listeners well i just have one last quote uh and i think this will resonate most with joe uh based on my my listening of of this glorious podcast so peter kramer is a music historian and in a 2004 essay he said quote After James Cameron's signature credit, which seems to assert male authorship and authority, Celine Dion's song again places us within the subjective experience of a woman. The song suggests that, like the singer's absent lover, the film may come to haunt them in their dreams, becoming constant presence in their heart and lasting for a lifetime. So, Mm -hmm. Joe, I'm sorry that this will haunt you forever. (laughs) Not like Steve Winwood. (laughs) because i can recognize when things are silly even if i like them i will point out that this song has one of the dumbest lyrics i've ever heard which is love was when i loved you (laughs) yeah that's will that is that is the one of the laziest lyrics i've ever heard (laughs) what's more love than love it's when i loved you man all right well rob thanks a lot for coming on yeah, it's, it's my pleasure. Uh, hopefully there will be whoa, some, whoa, some whoa, stuff. Whoa, 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 whoa. Oh, I it is, it is a Friday. It is oh. Friday. It is Friday. Uh, so what are, we, what are we talking about here? What, what are we, what's going well, on? Hold your horses. Ah, what is that? Sea Monster Facts. <laughs> um, this is one that Joe had a, one few, what? a few weeks ago. Joe seemed eager to talk about the merman oh yeah yeah so yeah i i gotta be honest i'd forgotten about a sea monster until like two hours ago so i remember that joe wanted to talk about mermen and i started looking up mermen and there's not it's not a lot of recent juicy stuff it's just kind of like uh you know mermen were in analog to mermaids and there's a lot of greek stuff and uh whatnot so, but some people out there, mm. they're upset about the mermen. And I think you guys are going to really start to view the mermen in a different way 
and Joe, you might not be so positive, because mysteriousuniverse.org. Okay. Dot org, so you know it's good. Published a piece by Lee Arnold in 2013, Why Do Mermen Get the Short End of the Trident in the Public Eye? Oh, my God. Oh, no. Are there men's rights activists in the It is a merman's right activist. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> yes. Uh, I, I, I had to go through this several times because Poe's Law was in full effect, which is I did not know if this was intended seriously or, <laughs> or as a troll. And t- to be honest, I am not positive. But <laughs> Lee starts off. Mermaids have hogged the spotlight cast upon merfolk for hundreds of years. This is not serious. And are culturally depicted as beautiful women who just happen to be fish from the navel down. He goes on to say that there was a, I guess there was a mermaid special on Monster Week on Animal Planet. Mermen have not had the same cultural success with their image. When they are depicted in art, they are typically well-sculpted men with chiseled human features and shiny scales leading to their massive fishtails, but stories and images of stunningly attractive mermen are rarely accounted for in modern pop culture. Dear God. (laughs) Mermen deserve to have their opportunity to glisten in the sun. (laughs) And this was really where I started to think, okay, this is, you know, a, a... an onion article or something but the time has come for mermen to step into the spotlight and earn the same pop culture status enjoyed by their sisters so he goes on to say how most of us can at least name a mermaid but there's no famous mermen (laughs) well what about Ariel's dad yeah uh he, he, <laughs> who, who admittedly I don't know the name he of. He talks yeah. about in Finnish mythology, mermen had the ability to heal the sick, remove curses, and create powerful potions. Finnish mermen also had the power to destroy civilizations. Despite these heroics, mermen don't receive a fraction of the cultural buzz of mermaids. Oh, man. I think it's time for a Splash remake, reboot. <laughs> oh, with uh, the oh, Starring Billy male. Zane as yes. a merman. <laughs> he, he goes on to complain about how there's not many mermen results on Google. And he brings up our old friend, the Fiji mermaid, but here he mm. refers to it as the Fiji merman. Okay. Uh, modus, and he says, noticeably missing from the first wave of search results are modern day pop culture mermen ranking on the fame scale alongside the likes of Air, of Disney's Ariel. Okay. That does hold on, hold on. That doesn't mean there aren't people out there trying to close the merfolk gender gap. (laughs) Merfolk gender gap. Okay, go ahead, Joe. I love how this is. This this has to be a men's rights activist. Does it have a byline? Uh, so I was going to that. I was going to bring that up. So this is this is by Lee Arnold. Now, Lee Arnold. That sounds like a presidential assassin. I (laughs) want. I want y'all. And I mean, everyone listening to my voice right now, I shut your eyes. Picture Lee Arnold, MRA of Merman. <laughs> Picture yes. him in your head. Okay, right. I'm I'm thinking All he right. looks something like and so uh, Sebastian I, now, Gorka. Take a look. The, oh yeah, oh. no, I, I know. My eyes are closed. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! <laughs> he looks like Lewis. He does look like Lewis. You Can know, I have one. 
I have one question. I'm still, I'd say I'm 75% thinking this is real. I have one question. I haven't (laughs) had a chance to look at the website. What font do they use? (laughs) What? What font do they use on the website? I know where you're going with this. What? Okay, what is it? What font do they use? I I wondered if you knew. I was just curious if they use Arial. (laughs) (laughs) All right. (laughs) I saw that one coming. Oh God! Simple man. <laughs> okay, um, Rob, do you have anything on uh, Titanic, Celine Dion, or Merman? <laughs> well, I'll just say that my favorite Merman uh, is Kenny Powers. <laughs> <laughs> nice, I like it. All right, well, Rob, thanks a lot for being on. Uh, thank you. It's it's just a testament to the power of love. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, listeners, we'll be back at the end of the week. We have only one week left, guys. Oh, no. One week left. Uh, we'll be back t- on Monday with uh, a new episode and, and another guest. Yes.